Pegasus Podcast, presented by Night Sports Now. UCF news, views, and a few hot takes. Now, here are your hosts, Bailey, it's Stillwater or Bust Adams, and Christian, I'll meet you in Morgantown, uh, maybe not, Simmons. Welcome into episode 78 of the Pegasus Podcast. Be sure you're following us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. Christian, how are you? Doing pretty good. UCF's going to be a Power 5 team uh, 13 months from today, so that's always a good thing. It's a good feeling. It's one of those things where, like, and this is going to sound, it might not make sense to anyone. Oh, it will make sense to you if you watch, like, I guess sometimes it's, it's really any sport, I guess. So if you celebrate when something happens, like, my, my first thought was, like, if you're watching a Premier League soccer game or a football match and the team scores, you celebrate, right? But then it goes to VAR, it goes to review. And then they review it and they confirm it. They need to celebrate again. That's what it feels like right now. We're like, we knew UCF was getting into the big 12 and we knew it was probably going to be 2023. Like we celebrated all that at the time. We probably knew it was going to be 2023, but now that it's officially 2023, we get to like celebrate again. It was another big day. So I'm going to push back on that because yes, I, I, well, a, I was like very surprised what a day of like celebration that news was. Cause like, it was like, official but like we'd also like known the whole time yeah. that was going to be the case but it was like the whole day it was just like like basically twitter was like the ending scene of like star wars episode six like there's just like fireworks going off and everyone's having a great time and everything's great all the yeah. big t- even like cincinnati was being sort of nice like it was just like a really weird day but like i'm mad because i realized like in hindsight that there was like a sort of not sizable chunk of the fan base but like a, a percentage that like actually thought this was like at stake Like, oh, are they going to get it done? It's like, this was always going to be the case. Like they were going to pay. The biggest thing to me was we'd heard the figure before, but Brett Murphy confirmed that the Oresco and the AAC, their starting asking price was 45 million per team to leave early, (laughs) which is just like the funniest thing in the world. I think UConn paid 17 when they left. And it's like, how could you possibly like, how how could that ever? So, and then I think the uh, teams that wanted to leave, they started at like 10. They're like, we don't want to pay anything. And they just, you know, haggled down to 18 million over 14 years. They've got to pay 10 million of that by 25. That is like, that was the big news to me is like, this is a dream scenario money-wise. I thought like, this is not going to affect UCF long-term at all. They're going to be like a little tight for basically a year. And then they're basically paying like, I think 600K a year, which with big 12 money is not nothing. Like that's nothing to be honest. For the first time in UCF history, 600K is nothing. Let's go. Am I wrong? Was was 10 million going to be the number like if UCF had gone to the end of the contract anyway, like you still have to pay a $10 million exit fee? Yeah. So to leave the AAC ever, you have to yeah. pay 10 million. And but there's usually I think I forget what exactly the waiting period was. It's like a year and a half and UCF wanted to go after a year. So that was what these teams were negotiating was what on top of the 10 million are we going to pay to leave early? And that ended up being 8 million. Yeah. So. Which I mean, yeah, like both sides were like happy with it, it seemed like. Like Oresco yeah. was like being nice. I don't know and- why Oresco's happy. And, 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 and frankly, <laughs> if I'm an AAC fan of like one of those teams, like I'm pretty pissed off because they could have, it's not the, the 18 million. I think most people figured like it was going to be in that 17 to 20, 21, 22 million range. It was the 14 year period basically made it nothing. Yeah. Like, like, let me ask a serious question. Is the AAC going to exist in 14 years? I, I can't answer that. With the way it's, college football works, I've, is the Big Twelve like I just yeah, I say, is any conference the sport, like I like that's just who even knows. So and Mahadra dropped. This was big news. I did not think he was going to say this. He said how much money UCF is going to get in their first year in the Big Twelve, and he said it's going to be eighteen or nineteen million. Which, for comparison, UCF currently gets seven million from the got seven million from the AAC yeah. this past year. So that's a bit more money. Which, I'll, like, <laughs> I do want to be like clear. And Mahadra said this too. It's like because I, I already saw some fans on Twitter. They're like, oh my god. 
we're going to like build a brand new stadium and all this ridiculous crap. It's like part of moving up to the power five is like expenses grow too. I mean, like yeah. the one huge one that no one's really talking about is like travel has suddenly become a big issue <laughs> for expenses. So, and everyone's, you know, everyone's salary is going to get raised in the athletic department. They're going to have to spend money on a lot of different stuff. So, it, you know, the, it's still more money and that's great, but it's yeah. not like UCF is now like loaded and is Bama. If that makes well, I just think it's funny. Cause like it's 17, 18 million for like the first couple of years, which like is already a stark increase from what they get now. But then what they said by year three, they'll be a full share member, which they paid out. Was it 42 million this year? Yeah. But that's with Texas and Oklahoma. I mean, we don't know. Yeah. What so I mean, it'll be different, like. but even still, even if you take out Texas, and Oklahoma, even if that number goes down to 28 million, like that's so four times what you were getting. So what's I mean, interesting. Here we are. We're like five minutes in. I'm taking us on a financial tangent. Yeah, we're fine. Um, so two loud Ralph, talking finances is back. Ralph Russo, DeRusso, is there a D in there? I don't know. The, the I think uh, it's Ralph D Russo. Or Ralph D like Russo. That. I think the so. AP guy. He tweeted, and this bothered me because he was like, "I'm hearing that you know the share is going to be like you know people have told me the share is going to be like half of what it is now at best because Oklahoma and Texas are half the value. So like, I need to check him with some basic math because this does bother me. Cause like, I'm not sitting here. Like I know how TV works. I'm just listening to the people that do and no offense. Cause you know, he's a great journalist, but Ralph DeRusso is not one of those people. And what he's taking is the facts that people keep repeating that Texas and Oklahoma are half the TV value. I think that is probably true or close to true, but the difference is they're half the TV value of a current contract that was signed years ago. And TV money has exploded since then. We saw that with the new SEC deal. We're about to see it with the new Big Ten deal. And when the Big 12 gets onto the market, it's not going to be like they have to take what ESPN is going to give them. CBS is looking for a new college football contract. Now the SEC is gone. NBC wants to grow beyond Notre Dame. Turner wants to get into college football. Amazon, Apple do. There's a, it's a bidder's market. And at the same time, so yeah, I think that Texas and Oklahoma are half the value. But that you're, so that doesn't mean that now the 40 million is you cut that in half to get 20 because you have to explode it based on how much TV money has exploded yeah. since that deal was signed. So Navigate, which has been pretty accurate in the past, is projecting that they're going to like basically stay level. Like the new deal will be the same as the old one when if Texas and Oklahoma had stayed in the league, it would have exploded in value. I'm like a little more like I, I if I had to guess right now, I would say they're going to get like 35 million a year, which would, even still. It'll put them last in the power five because uh, the ACC and, uh, and Pac-12 are going to be closer to like 45, 50, but like it's still the closest group of five is like 10 and it's yeah. still way more money than UCF has ever had to play with and enough money to build and fuel a really good program. So well, I'd the be thing is, that. is they'd be last, like the big 12 would be last in the power five in terms of like payout, but it would still probably be the third best conference overall. Probably. I mean, well, I mean, I'm, I'm really curious be. to see, I mean, these next, the first, I mean, I think it's like, it's just perception stuff. Cause like on paper, they absolutely will be in like, the, the, I don't, I just, the more stats you guys see, if you follow me on Twitter, I tweet stats all the time. The PAC 12 is like, I don't mean to be mean, but it's a really bad conference. It's like so bad. Do you know the PAC 12 is one in seven against the AAC in the last five years? <laughs> it's a bad conference. And so like the difference is that money isn't always about talent. I mean, they have Oregon and they have USC, USC can go four and eight. They're still a TV draw, but I just, so we'll see. I mean, I think the next few years for perception are really big. Like, it's looking like there's going to be one year where Texas and Oklahoma are in the league with the new teams. And uh, a reporter from the Austin American Statesman basically confirmed that Oklahoma and Texas believe that they're going to get sent on the road to all of the four new teams in that year. And like, that's big for perception because if UCF knocks off Texas or Cincinnati knocks off Oklahoma or whatever, it just feeds that perception of like, we don't need these, you know, like talent wise, this league is fine. You know, yeah. on the flip side, if Oklahoma goes to BYU and beats them by 30, and Texas goes to UCF and UCF gets run off their home field. That's a problem. So those games are going to be important, you know, so we'll see how that oh, goes. Could you just, I mean, just imagine the atmosphere. 
Oklahoma or Texas coming to Orlando. Let me throw you for a loop. What if Dylan Gabriel's still there in 23 and Oklahoma comes to UCF? I don't <laughs> think he to- will be. be toxic. I don't, I don't, I don't know why he would be, but that would be really funny. It would be toxic. But, no, I mean, it would be – I mean, just in, in general, I think, like, we talked about this in the past, and you kind of just get a sense that even – you play something like when you when you have to play a home game against some like the bottom tier AAC teams. Like when you play Temple at home, when you play I know Tulsa beats UCF a lot, but you play Tulsa at home, like you're just kind of like, all right. But then like you've got Kansas State, you've got TCU, Iowa State, like coming into Orlando, it just feels different. So it's funny because I if, again, if you follow me on Twitter, apparently I'm just on this podcast to pump up my own Twitter account. Yeah, um, much. I put it's up a vanity a, project. Uh, remember? Yeah, there we go. If you weren't <laughs> listening to last week, Bailey declared that this podcast is not for the fans; it's just his personal vanity project. But so Terry Mahajer also, since I, you do have to love, like one of the great things about Mahajer is he just talks and will just say stuff that like, I'm pretty sure he's not supposed to say, like he confirmed that UCF is going to, there's nine league games in the big 12. He confirmed that that was big news. And then he also confirmed that in year one, UCF is going to have four home games and five road games, which sucks. But I'd honestly rather have that in the transition year than in year two. when UCF's hoping to be better because I actually yeah. looked it up and outside of Texas and Oklahoma, only one time has uh, team gone to the Big 12 championship game while playing the 4-5 instead of the 5-4, which I thought was interesting. It is but, interesting. It was when you texted me that, and it was like, what's the guy's name on the uh, Magic broadcast? Where it's like, is this anything? Because I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yeah, like it's, it's, it would seem to be something. Like I'm like wondering if it's also just a coincidence, but I don't know. I don't think it is because I think playing, it's just hard <laughs> to yeah. play five conference road games, especially yeah. in a league where there aren't really any, like Kansas is it. That's your one guaranteed win. Everyone else is tough, so... But so I used a, uh, since we have the parameters, I used a number generator to put together a schedule, like just an example schedule, just because I was curious. And I just, we're assuming there's going to be permanent opponents. I assume for UCF, that would be Houston, Cincinnati, and West Virginia. I, it's almost sort of been confirmed that Houston and Cincinnati are going to be permanent opponents. I'm guessing West Virginia would be the third if they do three, because like, geographically, you know, just geographically. Yeah. So the schedule, speaking of what you said about just better games. So the home schedule for the first year, this is not legit. Like this is just my number generator schedule. The home games would have been Kent State at a conference, an FCS opponent. Then you get Oklahoma, Texas Tech, TCU, and Houston. It's a nice slate. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of really nice good. games. It's a lot better than Tulane, Tulsa, and Temple. You know, I mean, it's just, yeah. I, I think attendance and ticket prices, unfortunately, and everything is just going to go up because the game's just going to be more fun. You don't necessarily, like, like I said, the AAC was a good league, especially the top, but you do just in any group of five league, you have this dead weight at the bottom that doesn't draw, and you don't have that in the Big 12. Yeah. I think even Kansas people show up for, you know? Yeah, I mean, they're going to win, right? <laughs> I mean, you want to show up for a win. So, um, no, yeah, it's it's going to be fun. And it's already – it's one of those things where, like, UCF, I think, is going to be very good this fall. But you already, like, kind of get to the point where you're, like, thinking ahead next year. You're like, oh, next year's going to be fun. But This we still is, like, this kind we of a weird, like, lame duck season in some ways. And I don't mean that as, like, this year doesn't matter because I'm, like, sick with excitement for this season and yeah. also, like, nerves. I don't share Bailey's opinion that I think they're going to be very good. Um. <laughs> But that's also just what I do. I freak out at this point. Okay, but you're worried. You're worried. And when I say very good, I'm thinking like even a, like a 10 win season would be very good. Like that's a very good team. Right like, now, if you, you like they're win 10? gun to my head, what I think the record's going to be, I would say nine and three or 10 and two. Okay. That's, that's um, around where I am. So like, yeah, it's I just, don't, but I'm I, describing it differently. Yeah, but the fan base is under the impression that John Rice Plum leaves McKenzie Milton and they're going to go 12 and 0. Yeah, and, we're number 10. And it's not even about the quarterbacks to me. Like, I think both quarterbacks are. Because we're number 10, so. Yeah, wow. I didn't know that's all it took. <laughs> and um, it's not about the quarterbacks to me. It's just, I know I've said a billion times with this podcast, like, they don't have linebackers. So, like, I, I don't, I don't like, that just caps you. Like, how good can you be if you have an important position where you basically have 
at most two serviceable players from what we know now. So that's how I feel about that. But either way, it is just kind of like this weird thing though, where the season, like, I don't know. It just sort of feels like this weird in the middle season where it's like, it could be, it could be one of those. Or if like, if if they should come out and they like, look really good. It's just like, this is like their, I don't say retirement tour, but it's like, there's like a farewell tour where it's just like, all right, let's just beat all these teams one last time. And then, you know, move off to the big 12. Well, if they won the AAC, they would have been in the league for 10 years and won it five times, which I feel like is like, it just feels, it feels like that would be, like that would be the best. Like that would be too perfect. Which you know that the AAC is rooting with all their heart for someone not named Cincinnati oh. Houston or UCF to win the league this year. Just like we'll be rooting for anyone not named Oklahoma or Texas to win our league next year. <laughs> yeah, but when you think about it, like if they're rooting for that, like who could it be? I don't even know. Memphis or SMU are the only two that might be in the conversation. And SMU's gone through a coaching change and somehow doesn't know who their quarterback is, even though they had a really good quarterback next year. And Memphis is coming off six and six. I assume that was like an anomaly. I think Memphis will be better. But yeah, Houston seems like the runaway favorite right now. Since he still has a lot of talent, UCF's added a lot of talent. Like I, that does seem like the clear top three. Yeah. And it was the top three teams last year. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But it's going to be, you know. It's going to be weird. Like I, Mahajer also said that we're probably going to get at least the opponents of the 2023 schedule by like end of summer, early fall. So that'll be another great distractor, right? When like the season's <laughs> actually getting underway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like last year, the, the news of the big 12 uh, expansion, what that came with the week of the, um, what came, what week was that? Was that week two? I think it was week was two. I, it was going into Bethune. Yeah. Wow. Which either way though, it was like, it just, you know, it at like that forever point. Forever ago. Well, it was, it was a year ago. And it was also like, at that point, like it didn't really affect how we felt about that season. Cause it was still two years away at earliest. Yeah. So it just didn't like, you know, but now it's like, this is it. This is UCF's last <laughs> season, not in a power conference. It's just kind of crazy. Yeah. It's nice. But speaking of looking ahead of, of everything and looking over, you know, it can be fun, you know, to, to take road trips to where, I don't know, an empty Tulane stadium or, you know, we're probably going to Memphis or we are going to Memphis. <laughs> You're probably going to Memphis. <laughs> I, forgot, yeah, I forgot I booked the flight. Yeah. Um, but we're going to be looking ahead. Christian wrote this for night sports now ranking the big 12 road trip destinations. And there are some pretty good ones. And there are also some that aren't so good. So we're just going to run through them. Do you want to go through this and go 11 to one? I know you went one to 11 and you're, we can go to 11 to one. I've gotten a lot of pushback on this already, by the way, it's been up for like, have you gotten pushback from big 12 fan bases that are like defending their spots? One, like one comment. Okay. Um, It's largely UCF fans who like, either didn't understand what I was doing with this article. Like I got a few replies from people who were like, what do you mean? Like a game at Oklahoma state would be so cool. And I'm like, that's great. And I, I, oh, as I mentioned, in the oh, article, yeah, no. Oklahoma state is a great atmosphere, but this is about like the trip entirely. And like, right. I took game, I took game day experience into account, but I also took travel time and weather and what to actually do in the city. I mean, I, 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 I and I got a couple of replies, like, this is a personal preference thing. Like it honestly is like, these are my rankings and it, I try to do some research for everybody. But like, at the end of the day, you know, if you like really small, bad towns, like then maybe some of these places stand out to you. But <laughs> I saw a few people, I thought this was legitimate that they were like, well, I'm really excited to like, I, you know, having on you say, if I want to go experience a small college town. And I did see that point. I get that take, but at the same time, it's like, it's, you're still not going to have fun because you're going to have to fly like some of the, we'll go through those, but some of these places, the travel to get there is ridiculous. And like, when you're thinking college town, I feel like you're thinking like Tallahassee or like ones you've seen like Gainesville. Gainesville. Like, yeah. Some of these places are legitimately just like there is wheat and then there is a college campus. And like, <laughs> I, I don't want to go to those places. If you do, that's great. But like, and like I said, the main thing to me, cause I saw someone else replied, uh, what's his face. Andrew from Banneret said that, you know, this was, uh, he said like, this was a metropolitan biased list. I'm like, yeah, it was 
Uh, you know, it's like things to do, you know, <laughs> it's, it's listen, it's not even the things to do is what it came down to for me. And maybe other people are different on this is like the difference between hopping on a plane and flying somewhere and getting off the plane at your destination and hopping on a plane, getting off the plane, waiting two hours, hopping on another plane, getting to a destination, then getting in a rental car and driving two <laughs> hours and then being to your destination. That matters to me. If it doesn't matter to you, then yeah, your list is going to look different. But like, I don't want it. Like, that's a lot especially for some of these teams that like the game's probably not going to be super consequential. Like, I don't know how many years UCF West Virginia is going to be a huge game. West Virginia's never been a factor in the big 12. So like, I don't know, but anyway, let's do it. Let's get into the list. Speaking of West Virginia, let's start number 11. West Virginia, Morgantown, West Virginia. Yeah. This was one of those ones. So I, the easiest way I could, by the way, like prayers up to Brandon Helwig and Jason Beatty for having to figure out how to make all these road trips. Cause like, goodness gracious, there's a lot of travel. Yeah. So I was trying for how you get to Morgantown. So there is a municipal airport in Morgantown. So you can technically drive, like fly right there. But like, I could not find a flight that had fewer than two layovers. And <laughs> it, it's one of those things where it's like, from the time you get to the airport, when you land in Morgantown is going to be like your entire day. And like road trips are weekend things. Like, so I don't know if you want to burn an entire day traveling two days, really, because you got to get there and back. So that was what killed Morgantown for me more than anything was the travel's really tough. The easiest way I found was just fly direct into Pittsburgh and then drive like an hour-ish in. But on top of that, like, oh my God, there is nothing in Morgantown. Like I, I tried hard to find something interesting in Morgantown and I just could not. I really couldn't. I can't, I mean, I can't think of anything. I, the only thing I know, I wouldn't know what Morgantown, West Virginia, I wouldn't know anything about it if it wasn't for West Virginia University. Well, that's all yeah. these places. I mean, honestly. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know how West Virginia recruits because there's not like, honestly, like there's not even players in that area to begin with. And I don't know how you even get them to take the trip there. And once they're there, it's like, what are you showing them? It's like, check out our Arboretum. Like, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know what you show them. I'd start out with Pat McAfee went here. That's there you go. Start with. That's pro listen. That's probably a thing that comes up on the recruiting. <laughs> probably is. And I mean, my other thing, thing, I think like, I know you said you took it into account, but I think it, it's not the whole thing. Like if you're ranking a game day atmosphere, like I feel like they have a pretty good game day atmosphere, but it's again, if that's like the only thing going in their favor, that's kind of tough. Well, that's actually what put them in the last spot too, is because I looked up and like their stadium's really big, but like it's been a few years since they've had good crowds for it. And, really. you know, they've been, you know, they've been down, I mean, largely since they got to the Big 12, but like the last couple of years. But so I'm just kind of like, I don't know, this is like a lot of travel for a not cool destination in an environment that might not be that good. So I just don't, I, I don't see any upside to Morgantown. So fair enough last place i guess people will go there if their plan is to eventually go to all of the big 12 destinations but that or if the there's a one. year where like yeah it's you know like number 11 west virginia versus 15 uci like it's some important game but you know but i just didn't really include that in this because like the big 12 is so level it's like that could be any of these like yeah. any team except kansas could realistically be an important game for ucf and if that's the case travel there but you know given a normal game circumstance yeah i don't want to go to morgan town let's go on to number 10 this was the one people were upset about. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma State, Stillwater, Oklahoma. It's the one that surprised me. <sighs> Listen, uh, it's a cool stadium, and the campus seems nice-ish. And, like, the, that's got to be one of the top atmospheres in the Big 12. But, like, yeah. buddy, there is nothing to do in Stillwater. <laughs> like, good grief. It's really hard to get there. You probably need to fly into Oklahoma City, which is a three-hour flight, and you're going to have to get a rental car or an Uber or whatever and drive in. And – Oklahoma, so the Stillwater, Oklahoma has a tourism website and they bragged about Arby's being one of the best restaurants in town. I've found that to be a weird thing sometimes where like you'll go to a place and like it's an Airbnb. I feel like we ran into that a little bit in Louisville, didn't we? Where we, there was like the Airbnb book where it was like, here's yes. some places to eat around here. And it was like Pizza Hut. And I was like, what? The place was, we went to the Airbnb we had in Louisville, which the Airbnb was lovely. Oh, I love the, the city was not, but 
we um the the it was literally like titled like local eats and it was like pizza hut qdoba <laughs> like it was just, which we had qdoba, on we the first day. qdoba when we got there. so i guess we can't really complain but um yeah oklahoma like stillwater i honestly don't know what to tell you if you go there TripAdvisor ranked the number one restaurant in town as a japanese restaurant which scared me because the nearest body of water <laughs> is 500 miles away i loved the level of research that went into that i was like oh okay yeah, I just, I don't like, the the only thing holding Stillwater from not being last is that it's a really cool game day experience. But again, you're just going to have to travel like crazy to get there. And the game oh. is really the only interesting part of your trip. So what you, what you kind of laid out here was probably, probably the way to do it is to be like, stay in Oklahoma City and then on game day. Get to yeah, Stillwater. I recommended that. It's only an hour drive. I would just go to Oklahoma City. Yeah, and then Oklahoma City is pretty nice, right? Yeah, Oklahoma City is cool. And then just yeah. get up early the day of the game and take an Uber over. I know it'll be pricey, but like I, I think that's Hopefully your best. Most bet. of these trips are going to be pricey anyway. So. Well, that's the thing because you're talking about connecting flights and all this crap. So like that's the other thing is a lot of these destinations are expensive, especially the small towns because there's just well, so especially right now too. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, who knows? I got what... lucky. I got lucky with the flight to Memphis, but again, it's a connecting. I have a connecting flight, so. We did this trip in a really weird order. You've booked your flight. I have not booked my flight. We have not booked an Airbnb. That was probably not the smartest order to do these things. But I had to, I had to book. It was yeah, only just because it was like such a good deal. It was deal. $90. Yeah. So. We'll book the Airbnb this week. But anyway, yeah. back to like the podcast. Um, <laughs> People will listen to us book our, book our trip to Memphis. <laughs> We're going to have a live podcast where we just try to find an Airbnb. We should. Actually, kind of funny. It would probably be funny. Like look at places because all these places, this is going to be another tangent. All these places in Memphis are like, please be aware that this building is over 100 years old. And I'm like, I wasn't going to be concerned about that until now. There's now also telling me like, like is the building going to fall apart when I'm it, in there. Like if you hadn't told me that I wouldn't have cared. Like, yeah. and now you're like, be, be, be aware. And then also I guess there's parts <laughs> of Memphis where you might die. So we have to like, look out for that too. So it's yeah. a little tricky, but we'll get it done. I'm excited. I'm really excited to go to Memphis. I am too. But number nine, um, Ames, Iowa, the home of Iowa state. Um, I have to amend this because since I wrote this article, several people have tweeted at me that, you can get a direct flight to Des Moines if you go out of the Sanford airport okay. in Orlando, which is the small airport for small planes. So I'm afraid of flying. I would never get on one of those planes, but if you are not afraid of flying, then there you go. So the caveat there is a, is a little easier to get there than I thought. If you want to be on like a plane that like is safe, then uh, you would have to basically fly into Des Moines, Des Moines and there's layovers. You're you usually get sued get... for slander on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what am I slandering? the airlines or the planes that fly out of Sanford. I don't know. I didn't name them. I, I'm not saying they're not safe. Well, I did say you that. Just I don't, you said I, my brain perceives them as unsafe. I don't want to be on a small thing in the sky. I want to be on a big thing with like, you know, like the, if like there's not, if there isn't a screen built into the chair in front of me, I'm not getting on the plane. Like that's my standard rule. I went to right. our friend, Evan, who uh, founded Night Sports Now with us. He used to live in Amarillo, Texas uh, a few years ago. And I went to visit him and I had to get on this plane that was like the size of a sardine can to see him. And he neglected to tell me before my trip that Amarillo is the windiest city in the United States. <laughs> and that like, I like, I'm not exaggerating when I say that plane was landing and I was in the seat and I'm like, this is it. Like, I, this is legitimately the end of my life. I'm going to die trying to get to Amarillo, Texas. So Amarillo, Texas, the windy city. There you go. So not <laughs> big on, it. not big on the small planes, but anyway, yeah. So Iowa state, it's a 45 minute drive to get to Ames from Des Moines, which isn't horrible. Um, I, I just, this, this is another one of those ones where it's just like the coolest thing about the city is the college and there's nothing else to really do there. There's some museums. It gets really cold. So don't go in October, November. The atmosphere is awesome. Unless you like that kind of stuff. <laughs> wow. This isn't like Florida cold. This is cold, cold. And uh, the one thing going for Iowa state is the atmosphere is awesome. They got a really big stadium at 62,000. 
They, again, there's nothing to do in Ames, Iowa. So game days are like, it's like Nebraska. Like it's the religion. Yeah, there. It's just like that Midwestern thing where it's like, this is the thing. Especially for like Iowa State historically is a pretty terrible program. They've just gotten their act together the last few years, but they're old, that stadium is always packed. So that from that perspective, it's cool. But again, like that's a lot of travel for a game and nothing else. Yeah. Are we, uh, are we going on number eight? Because I'm interested in one part of number eight. Okay. Number eight is Lubbock, Texas, home of Texas Tech. What part are you interested in? You mentioned a prairie dog town. Which is okay. a giant field of prairie dogs. So I made fun of it, but I actually kind of want to go to prairie yeah, dog town. I mean, so for all these places, I would check if the just like background of the research, if the city had a tourism website, I would go to the tourism website. I'd go to TripAdvisor and I'd check like some other third party site I could find. And like all of them mentioned prairie dog town. And I'm like, what is prairie dog town? Like, what is this? And I and I I find it and I pull up prairie dog town's website and the photos. It's just a giant field full of prairie dogs. And people it. and people come to look at the prairie dogs and like I'm gonna be totally honest like that I, I made fun of it in the article but I am I would totally go to Prairie Dog Town it sounds great um if we ever go to Lubbock for a game we're gonna go to Prairie Dog Town Lubbock is really really proud of the fact that Buddy Holly was from there um <laughs> like it's a big deal there like almost every attraction was in some way tied into like Buddy Elvis Holly. and Memphis yeah so like literally so except Memphis is a city and Lubbock is yeah. a town um the food is not great um but for some reason Lubbock had like a really high rate of wineries so I threw that in there if you like wineries um they do a lot throw, of people do they throw tortillas onto the field during football games I <laughs> that's some of the best cuisine available actually there so like they they're way nine but they're way I know so it's also really difficult to get there you gotta I, it's kind of like how you get to Amarillo you gotta fly into Dallas usually sometimes Denver um flights flights I could find it could range from as quick as five hours to as long as eight so basically you're taking a whole day to get there um, so that holds them back, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really want to go to Lubbock to be honest with you. Cause that's also just not a game that I like imagine will be super important most of the time for UCF. Um, but yeah, so love it. Interesting to see how all this shakes out. Just it, like the what, thing is, what games will matter. Like it's, it can change every year, but like what games are typically going to matter and what typically games aren't going to. Like, well, what's fun is 10 years ago when UCF joined the AAC, there was no reality where I ever imagined that Cincinnati and UCF would come to just hate each other. And yeah, there's some team right now on this list that we have totally just bland feelings towards who three, four years from now we're going to hate. And like, I can't wait to find out who that is. Cause you just don't know. It's Texas tech. Is it Texas tech? It might I be. have no idea. I don't it know. honestly, there's a chance it could be. I feel like it might be West Virginia. Texas. I already kind of hate West Virginia fans. Yeah, exactly. Totally there you go. You. You're getting on the, you're getting on the right track. But it depends. Cause the reason UCF and Cincinnati fans hate each other so much is because both of them have suffered greatly at each other's hands. Like, and that's, what's led to that. Like West Virginia fans are annoying and think they're better than they are. But if UCF goes in there and wins all the time, it's not going to matter. Like, that's just going to be like, whatever, but it's going to take a team where they're kind of, they're going to play a group of games. They're going to really make them not like each other, you know? More it's going to be Iowa State because other. Xavier Townsend. There's the start right there. That's the roots that we're sowing. There you go. And then when he's playing and, you know, maybe three or 4,000 people in that stadium remember that he was once committed <laughs> to them. All right, number yeah, seven. There you go. Number seven. Kansas State in Manhattan, Kansas. Manhattan, Kansas religiously refers to itself as the Little Apple, which I think is the funniest <laughs> thing in the world. <laughs> like every website, every tourism site is the Little Apple. Come visit the Little Apple. Little Apple. Um, it is so freaking remote. The nearest major airport is a hundred miles away. It is, is what that's a good what two hour drive. Well, luckily they have a regional airport in the town. And if you want to take a connecting flight or two, you can get there that way. But okay. this is like, this is the middle of the country. Like this is like, this is like the frontier guys. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So flight times, including the layovers, it can be anywhere from six to eight hours. Um, you know, your other option is flying to Kansas city, which isn't a too bad of a flight and then drive two hours. 
Um, it's a college town. It's a college town. Yeah. It's a college town. Like, I don't know what you want from me. Um, the most interesting attraction I found was the insect zoo, um, which is located on Kansas State's campus. And it's located inside an old dairy barn, which is like the most like Midwestern thing I think I've ever heard in my life. So if you go check out the Kansas State game, you got to check out the insect farm. It was an extremely Midwestern sentence. Yeah. How so they got, they got campus look. The campus looked okay. I've never it, seen like I'm actually now going to what I'm going to do now is like go through and like look at pictures of the campus just in general of, e of each of these campuses because I don't think I've ever seen any of these campuses unless maybe the in, in some cases they've hosted college game and they've just shown some shots and stuff but I won't remember that Kansas State's now. campus like I don't know some of them stood out to me and Kansas State's really didn't like it doesn't look bad it just looks like any 150 year old campus you know it's like okay. a lot of brick buildings you know I mean it, it didn't look bad by any means but it wasn't like so beautiful like BYU's campus is so cool like with the oh, mountain yeah. and everything and stuff like that and, you know, I thought, you know, like stuff like that. But anyway, I, yeah, the other thing I'd say for Kansas State is it gets very cold there. Um, so if this is a game you see us playing at the end of the schedule, I would not go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really you don't, don't know what to, to get, say for Manhattan. You don't have to get very far to go to number six, huh? Uh, Lawrence, Kansas. Home These of These two right in the middle of the list, just going to Kansas. I felt really weird putting Kansas this high on the list, and I kept trying to talk myself out of it, but I couldn't. So... <laughs> honestly the main thing that helps kansas is like if you're really determined to see a big 12 game and you want to see a small college town this is the one that requires like the least travel you just fly into kansas city and then you drive 45 minutes that's far as big 12 goes that's not bad um it is like a very quiet like nature type place from what i could see and like some people are really into that vibe so if you're into that vibe like check out kansas for sure and also like you i include this you can't oversell the fact that you're going on a road trip like a conference road trip that you know ucf's gonna get a blowout win so sounds good to me yeah why not i mean and also, like, if you're if this is your thing and you want to see what Kansas is actually known for, which is college basketball, if, if they're playing in November, I know you're going to be cold, but see if there's a Memphis or not Memphis, a Kansas uh, home basketball game that weekend. I think that's a big draw, too, because seeing that, especially like in that environment would be pretty. Yeah, um, usually going to be the beginning of the season might get a big game in there. My favorite thing, by the way, for all of these schools, like almost all of them, is if you try to Google photos of their campus, it's like they all agreed. To only take photos in October when the leaves are changing. <laughs> Either that the, the or all these places. Place, the easiest time to sell. I guess. I guess. But yeah. Yeah. All right. Well. Top five. It's Lawrence, Kansas. We're into the top five. Um, five. There is a top four and a drop. So let's not like hype up number five too much. All right. But uh, the, mid the middle one between, between the middle and then the good top four. Baylor, which is in Waco, Texas. Um. I did not realize how hard it is to get to freaking Baylor, but it is not easy because the city just does not have an airport of any kind. So you've got to fly into like Dallas typically and which is a pretty long flight. It's like a three hour flight. And then you have to like drive in, which is going to take an hour and a half or more, um, mm. you know? And if you want to like, Oh, wait, 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 I'm wrong. The city does have an airport. I don't know why I said that. I forgot about that. The city does have an airport, but it's one of those airports where like, you're going to be like, it's going to be 10 plus hours of travel time to get directly yeah. to the airport. So flying into Dallas probably makes more sense. But once you get there, I thought this was cool. They have the Waco Mammoth National Monument, which has fossils of two dozen mammoths. You probably don't care, but I think that's cool. I, yeah, I, that sounds cool. Dude, mammoths are cool, man. Like I, the fact that we just like <laughs> for thousands of years had these like giant, like hairy elephants and now we don't have them anymore. Like I wish there were still mammoths. That's like, man, that's so cool. I, I, I wish we had mammoths. But anyway, if we still did have mammoths, like what would that be like? It would be like an elephant with hair. I mean, yeah, but like, where, like, 
where would they be? So mammoths, <laughs> this is about to make me sound like a nerd. So mammoths, um, when they were like alive, they lived in like central North America and then like up through Alaska and in Russia and Siberia and yeah. a lot of Asia. So Asian elephants today are like the modern descendants of like, like mammoths. the woolly so like that kind of range. The woolly mammoths, what I'm talking about. Oh, I'm talking about the woolly mammoth. There were like mastodons and other types of mammoths that were all over the world. Uh, this is not a good, this is not a good podcast. <laughs> we'll just get back to, let's just get back to Waco. Um, the other big thing in Waco is Magnolia Market, which I know nothing about, but it's this big like HT, HGTV thing. And people okay. are like obsessed with this place. When you said, when you said in your article, which any HGTV fan has probably heard of, I was like, I wouldn't have pegged you for an HGTV fan. It made it sound like you like HGTV and you know what this was. So I was going to ask you about it. Oh, I don't know what the hell it is, oh, okay. but I, but I mean, I'll, I, I, I'll watch an odd HGTV show from here from time to time. But so my parents are Market HGTV is. folks and okay. I saw all this stuff at Magnolia Market and it was always like, oh, from this show or whatever. And I asked my parents, I was like, have you heard of this? And they were both like, yes. And I was like, okay, I guess this is like, and then I looked more into it. It is like people go to Waco specifically for this place. Like it's like a big draw. And then they like go on social media and they're like, OMG, I saw this person from the show shopping and all this stuff. So okay, well, I, if you, someone's listening to this podcast, who knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. is excited, but uh, that's, if you a, do let us know. Um, one thing I haven't said is all of these, almost all of these towns have zoos. So if you like zoos, I like zoos. You're set pretty much everywhere, but Waco's actually got a good diversity of like food stuff too. There's bars and tap rooms and pubs and all that type of stuff. Food's pretty decent. Like Waco's really not bad. Like if you do want to get like, it's not really a small town though. Like, so I don't know what like, but I don't know if you want to watch, if you want to catch UCF Baylor, which that feels like a game that I bet will be big every now and then. And they've got a good um, atmosphere, don't they? They have a, no, they have a really good atmosphere. There. Yeah. I didn't realize they're, they're pretty new to having an on-campus stadium. Yeah. I, I remember, realize. I remember that when they opened it. Yeah. Well, not when they so, opened it, but I remember it being recent. But so they've still kind of got that like new car smell, really vibrant atmosphere and it's helped that they've been good. So yeah, I think Baylor's like, that's like a good, like, maybe I should have put it higher to be honest. Cause it's a good, like, there's actually stuff to do in the small town. It's just getting there so hard. Yeah, that's honestly that's what thing. knocked it for me. That's tough. Number four, it's not too hard to get here. Um, What was number four? Oh yeah. Right. Cincinnati. I don't know how much we got to talk about it. Cause like it, that's a road trip UCF fans have been able to take for like yeah. 10 years now. Yeah. Cincinnati. To be cool. fair, I never have. So I don't. <laughs> I haven't either. It's really easy to get there. All right. Where do you stand on Skyline Chili? I don't know. Never had it. I obviously haven't either because I've been to Cincinnati, but like I know that for UCF fans, that's like a main like make fun of Cincinnati fans thing. It's like, oh, I bet you scare recruits. It's very divisive. That's all I really know about it. But like, I don't know what I don't know what the question is. I'm going to level with you. It looks delicious. And it looks chili, like, right? it's like, it's like chili with like, it's like the stereotypical photo is a hot dog, just like overflowing with chili and shredded cheese. And I'm I like, mean, that looks delicious. I like, love a good chili dog. I don't know what's like hateable about that. I think they do put it on weird stuff, right? Isn't that a thing? I think it's, is not, I think that's Nebraska, isn't it? Nebraska does oh, like I thought, cinnamon I rolls thought, and chili. There's a thing with skyline chili where like, Let me they it put it on weird, they put it on a weird food food groups or food items well that's where i'll be like okay maybe not can i tell you but, something really sad right now yeah sure i don't think in my entire life i've ever had a chili dog really yeah you need i'm not a big dog. hot dog guy like i'm a big burger oh, guy sure. so like in any like i don't dislike hot dogs but just whenever i feel like every setting where there's a hot dog you have the choice between a burger and a hot dog right. and i like burgers more so i just don't yeah, really too. um but i this I looks a good delicious i love a good corn dog I'm looking at the Skyline Chili menu and I want to eat this. So they, their main <laughs> thing, I guess, is the cheese coney. It's the Skyline Classic Cheese Coney. It's a specially made hot dog and a steamed bun with mustard covered with original secret recipe chili, diced onions, and a mound yeah, of shredded cheese sauce. I'm very simple, though, when it comes to this kind of stuff. Because like, I don't, if I'm going to have chili on my hot dog, I don't want mustard on it also. I would, I really I like, would rather have mustard, mustard than ketchup. Anyway. I would rather, if you had, like, mustard makes more sense for ke- than ketchup. 
Yeah, but I'm not a huge mustard person anyway. I'm, like, not, I would just, I'm not a I huge mustard guy, but I can see how it can kind of cut through the chili a little bit by giving you that kind of like, you know, yeah. I don't know how to describe mustard, like almost tart taste. This might be my favorite episode we've ever done. <laughs> We're so off the rails. It's so interesting. Like I'm, They've got I'm chili cheese right fries. They, they, ooh, they have burritos. Oh my God. I don't know. Like maybe it just is horrible because I know everyone makes fun of them, but that looks awesome. Like I, I would eat at Skyline Chili. But uh, anyway, yeah, be a catch. Cincinnati is a cool city. The other th- cool thing about the metropolitan cities, sorry, um, Andrew from uh, Black and Gold Anorette, is like they also offer the opportunity, like you can go catch like a Reds game or like a Bengals game, like depending on like what the schedule looks like when you're there. Like that's cool to a lot of people. I know you're a big Joe Burrow yeah. fan, so you, yeah. So, <laughs> so that's that. But Cincinnati, it's just it's your stereotypical big city. It's got everything you could want. It's a cool place to stay. So you see, fans who have taken the road trip there have said they've had a great time. So they said the fans are, are really nice too in person. Just don't talk to them on Twitter. That's true for every fan base. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was funny. You're never like, going to see a per a, like a human being face to face and tell them that you hope they die. But like <laughs> on Twitter, fans will just say stuff, you know, yeah. but like, so yeah. Well, it's just funny. Cause like, I think we kind of got caught, caught up in that kind of moment where like last year during the season, it was like these Cincinnati fans are insufferable. And then the game happened and everyone that went from UCF was like, these people are so nice. Like some of the nicest fans I've ever talked to. And we were like, what? But like, and we're like, yeah, it makes sense. Obviously, that would be the case. They probably put something in the skyline chili to like convert them while they were there. And then they came back like, they're so nice. It's like, uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, there's a theory. Um, number three. <laughs> uh, TCU, which is in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, okay. Dallas and Fort Worth, as far as I can tell, are essentially the same place. So They call it like Dallas. DFW. Worth, DFW. Yeah, DFW. Yep. It's a huge trick. It's 8 million people, which is like four Orlando's. So it's a large place. Um, I thought TCU was way out there, but I guess I was thinking of SMU because TCU is only 45 minutes or it's only 30 minutes from like the center of Dallas. So you can be right. I thought SMU was in Dallas. SMU is in Dallas, but as far as I understand it, SMU is like in a very, like very rich, like Christian part of Dallas. Cause I remember Chris Vanini wrote an article once that like, it seems a little disingenuous when they do the whole like Dallas on their uniforms and stuff. Cause their area doesn't really represent Dallas. If that makes sense, like that type of thing. But again, TCU's in Fort Worth. So they're not even sort of in Dallas, yeah. but it's all right there. Um, P- the JFK assassination is a big deal in Dallas. Um, all these years later, there's a lot of stuff you can do. There are whole, like whole freaking museums. There are like walkabout tours, driving tours. There's stores that'll like take you on his route and be like, this is where he got killed. And I, I don't know. I'm like, I'm not into that stuff. But that like, was like when I was in DC in fifth grade and we went to the Ford theater or Ford's theater. And they were like, yep, right up there is where Abraham Lincoln I don't died. like we that. Like, I love history. I'm a big history guy, but I don't really want to be shown like death sites. <laughs> like, I don't really want to be like, and here's where <laughs> like, they die. <laughs> right know? up there. He was shot. I don't even like being in cemeteries and it's like, see that that's where they killed the president. Like I just, it's really weird, but um, it's a weird concept. If you think about it. Yeah. Like again, it's a big thing. Like there's a ton of stuff to do in Dallas on that. You got you, depending on the the schedule, you can take in a Cowboys game, stars game, Maverick game, all that good stuff. The food and the food in Dallas is all over the place in the best way. You've got like traditional Texas brisket, which like, we don't even have a copy of in Florida, like four rivers comes the closest, but like, it's just not the same. Yeah. You've got like Southern cooking. You've got a lot of international food presences there as well. You've got everything food wise. Yes. I care a lot about food. I like how you like, got to, you got to number three before you're like, if you can't tell I'm obsessed with food. Well, cause like- <laughs> I like, listen, like I, there, there are two types of people in the world. There's people who eat to live and there's people who live to eat. I live to eat. I want Fair to enough, eat delicious food. And that is like legitimately when I'm planning a vacation, the food available to me is a huge part of that. Like and Dallas, all kinds of food. So, Why are you looking forward to getting some Memphis barbecue? 
I am too. The pro okay. So like I always, so I'm not a huge barbecue person. Like my main barbecue thing I love is brisket. This is the mm. all time non football podcast we've ever That's done. Not, it's by not the supposed way. to be. It's not yeah. talking about travel and destination. We it's got the big football. stuff in. You're fine. And um, I a couple of coworkers at my job. So I've never like had barbecue outside the state just because I haven't been to a lot of places where there's good barbecue. And I was like, oh, like four rivers is good. And they were all they're from different parts of the south. And they were like, <laughs> they're like, you have not experienced barbecue. Like they're, they're like, like you, you silly man. They're like, you don't like, they're like, oh, they're like, I don't, one of them was like, I don't mean to be mean, but you legitimately don't know. Like you just don't know. Like you need to. So I'm excited to go to Memphis and try some like legit barbecue for the first time in my life. That should be great. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think Dallas is really cool. TCU's kind of got that um, or Fort Worth, whatever. TCU's kind of got the UCF vibe where like when they're good, their stadium is absurd and like a ton of fun and they seem like they're trending in the right direction. So I think that it can be a really picture cool. their stadium. It's a nice stadium, man. I'm about to go into a deep dive after this and look at all this stuff. It's a lot of like sandstone style brick and like really, it's a really beautiful stadium, honestly. I looked up photos. It did not look that way 20 years ago when they were in Conference USA <laughs> and, uh, and the Mountain West, but it's really had a glow up. So yeah, I, yeah. I think I, I'm, I honestly think like my first current Big 12 school I'd like to visit will be TCU. Fair enough. Um, so here's, to, speaking of beautiful stadiums, number two. Yes. I went back and forth a lot on whether the, if you haven't figured out the two remaining are BYU and Houston, I put BYU and Provo, Utah at second. You that's a coin flip to me. I BYU got knocked because I couldn't decide between them and BYU's harder to get to. So that's really what it came okay. down to. Fair enough. And Provo is a little farther from Salt Lake city than I realized. Like in my head, I kind of assumed BYU was in Salt Lake city. They're like close. They're like an hour ish away. The campus is, but you can still stay in Salt Lake city and just figure that out on game day. If you want to, um, the main thing there is like, it's the one place in this league where you have the added mix of you have a major city and all that comes with that. And you have just absurdly beautiful scenery. Like I, their, their campus rests in like the foothills of a freaking mountain, like a legitimate snow-capped mountain looms over their stadium. And I just can't like, I, that is so cool to me. That's one thing like, I've seen their football, like, I've seen pictures of their football stadium and their baseball stadium and like just the scenery around it. You're like, that doesn't look real. It, it doesn't. Like, it looks like the like mountain is like photoshopped into the background of the picture. It looks fake. It might be. We might get there, and it turns out there is no mountain. <laughs> Where's the mountain? And they're like, hey, you fell for it, didn't you? And there's a ton um, to do there. There's also a good mix of like you have city life type stuff. Like they've got some good food. They've got bars and all that nightlife activities, and they've also got like kayaking and hiking and stuff like that. It's like you can make a really fun trip for yourself in Provo and Salt Lake City. That's interesting. I haven't done a ton of traveling in my life. Like when I have, it hasn't been like I think the longest flight I've been on was probably two and a half hours. Wow, really? So like, yeah, yeah, the idea of like flying to like five hours to Utah, it's like, wow, that would be a long flight. But like, oh. also, one day I have designs on going to London. So I'm also well aware that, like, yeah, that's going to be a trip. But let me paint a picture for you that none of the audience will understand. Imagine an eight hour flight with Zach. <laughs> and that was my experience when I went to Europe with him. Uh, Zach, is, we've mentioned Zach before in our podcast. Yeah. He's, our, he's our friend. Who's he's the one you referenced him trying to fight people at the Duke game. Yes, that was when he came up. Eight hours is a long time to spend with any person. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, you, you, we'll, we'll get you traveling more. You're, I, I feel like we're traveling a lot. We're going to, we went to Louisville last yeah, year. We're going to, I'll I never go to, back to Louisville. I tried to get you to go on a cruise and um, you were the only person that said yes. So that got scuttled. But anyway, yeah. um, on to number one. Number one. Houston. I saw Houston. someone, I saw one person at least that so was very upset with you at this for this. Um, some, this article, I guess, made it to the dungeon and one person said, I stopped reading when I saw Houston was first. This list is like BS. Um, I'm sorry. I think Houston's awesome Houston? city. I, I don't know. Houston is far and away the best city on the list. I mean, I mean, like Orlando, obviously we're not ranking because you're not traveling to Orlando, yeah. but like, and listen, let's be real. Houston's better than Orlando. I'll, I'll say it. Houston's an awesome city. 
Houston just has everything. And I mean everything. And it's like, and I kind of like, I don't know if I had some like anti-Texas bias where I assume just everything in Texas was the same, but that is like a <laughs> vibrant, really cool city with a lot of fun stuff to do. They've got a beach in Galveston nearby, which I didn't even realize. Oh, Galveston's where Mike Evans is from. I, you don't care about that. I don't know why I'm saying it. But... No one listening cares. But anyway, um, <laughs> they're like, like they're like Dallas, but to the next level, like the food scene in Houston is ridiculous. Like, like they're literally like the, the heart and soul of both Tex-Mex and like Texas barbecue, which is like, such an interesting and cool convo and they, a combo and they've got great seafood too. It's just like, and you know, they got all kinds of stuff. I, like, I don't know how else to say it. Like just everything you want to do in Houston, you can. So I have to go on a quick tangent about Houston. So there's a restaurant in Houston that I've wanted to try my whole life and I've never gotten to because I've never been to Houston. Um, and it is the Turkey Lake Hut. Turkey Lake Hut okay. is a restaurant that stuffs turkey legs with other kinds of food. And it looks like the best thing in the world. I want to go there <laughs> and get the turkey leg that is stuffed with shrimp, Alfredo sauce, and dirty rice. That's what I want to go. I feel like if I did that like one day for lunch, I wouldn't do anything the rest of the day. I would be like laying in bed, just groaning. It would be my one meal of the trip, but like I (laughs) desperately want to eat there. And like that may have played a subconscious factor in putting Houston over BYU. Cause like, come on, man, there's no turkey leg cut in BYU that I know of. Texas is interesting. Texas like is all, say, like, like Lubbock Houston's, and Houston could not be more different. Like, it's like Houston just, you know, and Lubbock are different. And you say like, it's different from like the DFW area. And like, if, if you factor in like Austin, I know like everybody loves Austin, don't they? Yeah. Austin's really cool. I didn't include and, the, uh, I didn't, right. I should have said that. I didn't include Texas okay. or Oklahoma because it doesn't look like there's ever going to be a chance to do a road trip there because they're going to be yeah. in there probably one year. And apparently they're coming here. So yeah. But yeah, I've heard like good things about Austin. San and Antonio Houston, too. I've heard good things about, that was one thing that as I was reading this whole thing too, I was like, Orlando on every if you were doing to do all of them Orlando would be one or two on everyone's list I think the I think the farthest you could realistically put Orlando down would be like fourth yeah so um, just, I mean you also think about like what people think about like from probably all of these cities and all these areas is like oh yeah we could go down to Orlando we could go to, to Disney on Friday and we could go to the game on Saturday and then we could do like whatever Universal on Sunday like they just can think about it like that and they're like that's a lot of people take vacations to Disney anyway or to, to yeah. Orlando anyway. No, that's so like, a huge like, draw. Oh, if my team's playing in Orlando, here we go. And it's a cool city. It's got a good downtown. And the like, I think the major, major draw for Orlando is that almost all of these places are very cold in November and October. And <laughs> yeah. Orlando is not. Even in November, it's still in the 80s most of the time. So yeah, I think Orlando would be super high. Which again, like not to get super philosophical over a travel destination ranking, but like this article in a weird way made me realize UCS recruiting potential as a power five school, because like, I just, <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. I don't mean, the thing about the weather. I was like, that's the recruiting pitch right there. Listen, man, I understood it when UCF was a group of five program and a recruit is like, I'm a P five player. I'm sorry. But like when UCF is on the same level of these schools, I don't know. I genuinely don't know how a good player visits Orlando and visits like Ames and decides to go to Ames. I, I just, I don't. And I know it's like coach relationship, all that, but like one, now that UCF's elevated, that's the difference is all these dudes who have really great talent and like UCF, but felt they belong in the power five. They don't have to go to all these small towns all over the world, be it ACC, big 10, big 12, whatever. They can just stay home. Or even if they're from another state, they can come as UCF says, you can live where the world vacations. You can come live in this awesome destination city. So I think like sky's the limit for recruiting I feel like- UCF now that label's gone. I feel like that's what Gus was like saying when he took the job. And this was even before all the big 12 stuff happened, but he was basically saying like, there is, they have so much to offer here. And yeah, I mean, you're starting to see, yeah. especially with the, the G five label shed, like that's gone. 
And they wow. ran in and they ran into that before the like Gus, honestly, he's never said it publicly, but he miscalculated a little bit on that. Like, yeah. like the players would come in and this is like real stuff that happened. Like a player would like a highly rated player would straight up tell them, I love this staff. I love this school, but I'm a power five player. Like they, they would get that line told to them, like players telling yeah. them, this is great, but I'm sorry. I don't. And you can't totally blame the players because when they grow up in this world where the media narrative is there is the power five and that's college football and that's big time college football. Then yeah. there's the rest. You can't totally blame them for that. I mean, it's not fair, but it is just, it, it's just the way things were perceived. So having that label now is like everything, you know? I mean, that's why they're, yeah. I, Isaiah Nixon isn't committed right now. If UCF's staying in the AAC, I mean, probably Nikai Martinez isn't, coming isn't on campus right now or Quan Lee if UCF still in the AAC yeah. you know so it's already or the Henderson twins I mean it's just it's already it's paying dividends and, and once they really get it going on the field if they have a good season this year next year I mean it, and Gus shows that you know he's not going to leave it's going to be yeah. up to the freaking races yeah no there's there's a ton of potential and like that's it's exciting exciting to talk about exciting to think about um, I hope that that made up for the mammoth tangent that we talked about recruiting I think the mammoth tangent was great yeah well, we'll see. We'll see in the listens. <laughs> Again, I don't care. <laughs> that was good for that was good for discussion. I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Um, football news. There's really, really, I say this every week, but like, there's really not a lot. This is the first week where I was like, wow, I have one piece of news. And then I got lucky for finding something on UCS website. But UCF did get a commitment last week from former Alabama wide receiver Javon Baker. Um, he was initially, or he was going to transfer from Alabama to Kentucky. And that fell through. And now he's at UCF. So it fell through in the, a really weird way. Like, yeah. uh, you know, like something, I don't know what to make of it there. at all. I don't know. Something happened. Cause it was, it didn't sound like, I don't know. I'm not going to speculate. Cause I don't know, but yeah. it was weird. Whatever. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, UCF like, wide receiver is stacked. Yeah. I'm like, UCF really needs a linebacker. And they're like another wide receiver. Got you covered. <laughs> so yeah, no, I'm not like, I'm, I will already like, I don't, I texted this to you after he, signed and it really and it really wasn't even about him it was just me starting to look at the depth chart and i'm like i don't think i'd processed how freaking deep the skill positions are this year yeah. offense should be like i honestly whatever quarterback they pick offense should be like awesome i feel that's like. the thing that i don't know if i've made clear enough but like we've talked about jrp and mikey keen like i i prefer mikey keen just said we've always been mikey keen guys but either one they go with i think can have a lot of success and ucf can be very good with either of them yeah, and I've like said the before offense, the offense should be good. A huge part of the reason I think it's going to be Mikey is because starting Mikey, who is very good, gives you the chance to also implement JRP, who is very good. And yeah. I do have to say really quickly on the quarterback battle, because I've gotten into a couple of discussions with folks on Twitter and I've been seeing some tweets about the quarterback race. And I hadn't fully processed it. There's like, I don't know how big of a chunk of the fan base it is, but I just after the spring game, I didn't realize that like I think a lot of the fan base has just kind of assumed JRP is going to start. Yeah. And I don't think the coaches know who's going to start, but like all I'll say is like it's not done. And frankly, like if I had to bet right now, I'd bet on Mikey. Like I know that we're, Oh, the Mikey Keen podcast, but like legitimately, like I'm assuming Mikey is going to win the job. And I think that's the most likely outcome at this stage. So I, those fans, I just might be in for a surprise. I, I could be wrong. Like I said, I don't think it's over. Like if I had to put odds on it, I'd say it's like 60, 65% chance it's going to be Mikey right now. But like those fans just might be in for a surprise and it's going to kind of suck if a starter gets named and the fans are just shocked and complaining. Cause I think Mikey can be there. Yeah. And you're still going to get JRP a lot every game. So it can be very annoying if that happens. Uh, the thing that I ended up finding on UCS website, I don't even know if they really publicized this that much, but it was on UCS website. The There's some all AAC teams that came out on a couple of college football previews from Athlon Sports and the Lindy's magazine, which it always does previews. I've never known what that is until like sometimes I go to the magazine rack and I'm like, oh yeah, I've seen that before. 
Um, but looking at just running through these real quick on Athlon's first team, they've got uh, Devonte Brown and Ryan O'Keefe. And then the same for Lindy's first team, or they've got Devonte Brown. They don't have Ryan O'Keefe. They've got Lokahi Paule as a first team player. They have Ryan O'Keefe on the second team for Lindy's. Uh, the rest of Lindy's second team is Ricky Barber, Isaiah Bowser, and Sam Jackson. Uh, Athlon's is uh, Lokahi Paule, Ricky Barber, Isaiah Bowser, Matt Lee, Traymon Norris Brash, and Devad Wilson. And then Lindy stops at first and second team. Athlon has three and four. So Athlon's third team, Sam Jackson, Kobe Hudson, Corey Thornton, and uh, fourth team, Quadric Buller, Jeremiah Jean Baptiste, Amari Johnson, and uh, Johnny Richardson. I think can they I had Amari a, Johnson on there as a punt return, punt return guy. Can I give a like hot take? You don't it's care probably, about any of this. It's probably wrong. It's about this. Oh, yeah. I'm saying you don't care about any of this. Is what I'm. Is my guess what you're? No, 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 no. That wasn't it. I mean, I don't. Oh, okay. But that wasn't it. Um, I always these things are stupid to me. Nothing. But um, anyway, no. It's like I. This is gonna. I, maybe I should. I enjoy say these it. just before you say this. I enjoy these just for the the sheer fact that like it's a preview for college football, and I'm like thinking about it like. When this they're, kind of stuff comes out, it's content in the middle of the summer that I'm like, oh yeah, they're worthless. I mean, nothing. But um, I, I'll, like, is Ryan O'Keefe that good? Like, that came yeah. out bad. Like, he's very good, but like, I don't know. Like, I just like, I feel like there's a very real chance he doesn't even lead the team in receiving yards this year. I feel like he was the right player for what was wrong with the offense last year, and I feel like people have sort of elevated him to superstar status as a result of that. But I don't know if he's necessarily going to be like one of the most important players or one of or the most important player on offense this year. I think it's fair to say like it, it's possible he doesn't leave the team in receiving, but that doesn't mean that he's not very good. Like I think I think he'll still play I, like I said, I phrased that wrong. He's obviously yeah. very good, but like I, it kind of feels like he's kind of been like the like star of the team this offseason i feel like that's fair to say and like i don't yeah. know if that's like i feel like that's more a product of just like the offense was sort of broken last year with all the injuries and breaking in a true freshman quarterback and he was the guy that could make plays and that's valuable but in a more functioning offense i don't know how i don't think I he's going to be featured on every play like he was yeah i don't think he'll have to be but i still think he's going to be a guy that can make plays and that's what he needs yeah to this be, is probably a really be, bad so. take like i'm, I'm just kind of <laughs> i'm just sort of thinking out loud like i don't know i've thought yeah. about that a little bit where you know so um, we'll see the final piece from the Lindy's preview is that they had UCF ranked third in the AAC and 37th nationally um, and named, I guess they had these little categories. I haven't read it myself. Like I just got this from UCF, but uh, as far as naming the toughest player to bring down, it was Isaiah Bowser, not a big shocker yep. and called Devonte Brown, the best cover corner. So Devonte Brown's getting a lot of love this off season. Well, he didn't allow him last year. Yeah. So. <laughs> PFF, PFF tweeted that stat and I don't remember People are kind of just like, oh, all right. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I realized it until I knew he had a good year, but I didn't realize it until that was tweeted by PFF where I was like, okay. Well, this um, is the, honestly the first year in a while where I'm not like freaked out about the secondary. Yeah. So that's fair. That counts for something, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, the returning guys, plus all they your, got some freshmen coming in and, and uh, you know, Kobe Perry and funneled down to the linebackers. So. It is very much like all of it. Like, well, it's like, I honestly, like if UCF had good, well, my phone just went off. Sorry about that. Um, my dog's you, barking so <laughs> great moment for the podcast if UCF had good linebackers not even like great linebackers but just good linebackers and they might but like we just knew that for a fact I would think this team could do anything because I feel really good about everything else so that's just kind of why I'm freaking out about the linebackers because I'm gonna hate <laughs> if they're like 10 and 2 with bad linebackers is gonna suck because the whole season I'm gonna be thinking if they had good guys at that position this would have been like another 2017 2018 type season so that's what I'm afraid of, but I'm still operating under like, I'm just like, I, 
I'm, I guess like there's a little bit of worry, but I'm still operating under the impression that it's just like it's going to work out. Like I, they're going to find. But who, gonna who find, is going to step like, up? Like who's honestly going to step up at that position? Well, you can have maybe bring up the roster because I'm really bad at this on the spot. But they've got Jeremiah Jean Baptiste and they've got what's the transfer, um, the FCS transfer? Uh, oh, I forgot about him. Jason Johnson. That is, I think so. I think so. I feel good about him, like just from what I've read about him and what I've heard. Like, all right, we've got two linebackers. Who else? There's two. I got to look at the roster, man. I don't have time for is this it going right to be now. Terrence Lewis, who hasn't been healthy for two years? Is it going to be uh, Brandon Probably Jennings, not. who ditched Kansas State after two weeks? I mean, it could be. Maybe it could he's be. kind. Of, he is kind of the wild card, to be honest, because he had a lot of talent yeah. in high school. But I don't know. Like I said, there is a situation where it turned. Uh, God, I wish Chris Mole hadn't decommitted. That I felt so much better about. Yeah, that really annoyed when, me. Well, not me, not me. Annoyed me in the way that like it just is sad. Well, it just annoyed me because I thought we were done. Like I was like, yeah. all right, we did it. <laughs> It's also like, I keep forgetting that, like, I just assumed he had signed. He'd been committed for like a month. And then it was like, I'm out of here. And I'm like, well, that was yep. too bad. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be a yeah. fun, stressful, sad year. <laughs> we will see. Uh, you got a tweet of the week this week? I do have a tweet of the week this week. Tweet of the week. So I mentioned earlier in the podcast that I used my number generator to put up a schedule. And uh, I was beyond pleasantly surprised with how many UCF fans had very realistic takes with what oh, the expectations guy. are for UCF in 2023 in the big 12 like i was blown away like probably 80 85 percent of the replies were like i'm happy with seven wins i'm happy with bowl eligibility we're in the league let's get adjusted and that's great because you know what that's what always happens like uh, the wild the wild card now wild factor isn't a term the wild card now is like the transfer portal and ucf could theoretically upgrade its talent very significantly in the next year so ucf might be better than we expect but tcu was coming off an 11 and 2 season when they joined the big 12 they dropped to seven and six west virginia was coming off 10 and three they dropped to seven and six it's an adjustment. That's fine. And I got mad because a couple people were like, oh, so you're saying that 2017 would have been bad. It's like, no, that was 2017 UCF. And that team was amazing. 2020, 2022 UCF ain't 2017 UCF. Sorry, but they're not. So I got a reply. This is my favorite one from Tanvir H. Tanvir, I don't know how to pronounce the name, unfortunately. Um, someone said bull eligibility is acceptable in year one. And he replied, what? Stop it. Which name here is a consistently winning program on par with UCF? Uh, first off, oh my God. He says, OU and Cincinnati, maybe OK States. And who's to say UCF can't steal one? Anything less than eight wins is unacceptable. <laughs> delusion. Like, I, that's just flat out delusion. I, first off, to actually ask who in this conference is on par with UCF is just a hilariously ignorant thing to say. So, it's rough. Like I said, luckily, I was expecting way more of that. That was like one of the only really bad replies. Someone did reply in that thread when I replied to him, and they asked me why I'm such a pessimist and why I want UCF fans to not root for them to be good. Root for whatever the hell you want. But my problem is not like, what are you, you root rooting for? for them to be good too? Of what course, want? I want to be wrong. I would love to be completely and totally wrong. I want to be wrong about everything. I want JRP to come out and be a Heisman. I want UCF to go to the Big 12 and go 14-0. I want all those things. People just don't know the difference between pessimism and realism, and they never have. And my other thing is, my issue isn't you rooting for 12-0. and 0. My issue is when they don't go 12-0, and 0, you start attacking the team and the coaches on Twitter, like you always do. That's my issue. So don't come at me with, why are you telling us not to root for? Root for whatever the hell you want. Just don't be stupid about it. That, that's all I'm asking. Be, I mean, just manage your expectations and be realistic. Yep. That's really Seems all I'm like asking for. Doesn't seem like a tough ask, but this is UCF, so... <laughs> We'll, uh, we'll move on from there, but uh, we'll be back next week with episode 79. Until then, you can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCASimmons, and at Night Sports Now. Thank you guys so much for being with us, and we will talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.